yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to see when you're in the trenches of being a, a PhD student, but you're you're gaining so much experience that you may not even realize now, but it, you know, you'll you'll end up using it in your next step. This is Translate Your Training, where we explore non-academic careers in the life sciences and talk to professionals about what aspects of their PhD training were most important for their careers and how they translated their training. We're your hosts. I'm Margaret. And I'm Gabby. Hey, Gabby, can you remember the reason why you chose to pursue a PhD in biomedical sciences? Oof, it feels like a million years ago, but I really wanted to be at the forefront of new medical treatments. I thought I could make a big impact by studying mechanisms of disease and finding cures. But to be honest, even in biomedical sciences PhD programs, like where we are, we mostly just do basic research. I went into research for the same reasons, and I totally get what you mean. It feels like we're more than a couple steps away from the clinic at this point. I'm sure not all grad students feel the same. I know there are a lot of translational projects in academia, but the more translational they get, the more the pharmaceutical industry picks it up. Most of the translational research and drug development, I think, is happening outside of academia. And that's the type of career we'll be exploring today. Oh, nice. So for all the PhD students that got into research for the reasons we went into it and want to continue to pursue those passions, this should be a career that they would want to consider, right? Yes. I spoke to Grace, a senior scientist at a large pharmaceutical company. Awesome. So we got a preview of what it's like to work at a small company in episode three with Adam. I'm curious about the differences. What is a day-to-day for a senior scientist at a large company? Grace mentioned that she does a variety of things in any given week, but that her job description is much narrower than if she worked at a smaller company. She also mentioned that her division is structured very similarly to how academic labs are structured. I do a wide variety of things. At my level, I still do a lot of bench work. So I would say probably still 50% of my time is working in the lab and generating data and working with other people, training other people. I spend time writing publications. I spend time, a lot of time putting together presentations, reading papers, meeting with people, you know, meeting with my team and, you know, meeting with people I collaborate with. So it's, it's really a mix. You know, I would say one thing just sort of progressing from a, a postdoc to a senior scientist, you know, just taking on more responsibility over time. Um, And now I oversee, you know, four other people that I work with. So, you know, directing them. And and again, I still do a lot of hands-on training. So yeah, it's really a variety of tasks and it just kind of depends on the day or the week and, you know, what things I have coming up. So I work in the neuroscience therapeutic area, but we're sort of divided into various teams within neuroscience. So I work on uh, psychiatric disorders. Uh, We also work on neurodegeneration and neuroinflammation. So, but we're all sort of divided um, into, you know, 
different teams. And within those teams, I would say it's, it's kind of similar to how an academic lab functions where there's sort of, you know, more of like someone in the PI role and then there's various scientists that work beneath that person. So, you know, obviously I would say there's, there's more layers. The teams tend to be bigger than academic labs, but, and it is very team oriented. I feel like um, in graduate school, a lot of what I worked on, it was just me as an individual and working in industry, it's very team oriented. You know, you're working with a lot of different people. You know, we have like an in vivo team that does a lot of our in vivo experiments. And so it's a lot of teamwork, whereas I feel like sometimes in academia, it's more sort of individuals working on projects. That sounds a lot like what we do now in grad school, but with more responsibilities and more teamwork. I know a lot of people usually end up in these kind of positions after they finish their PhDs. Some even go into a scientist role in industry after doing an academic postdoc. So is a postdoc necessary for this career? It's actually a common misconception that a postdoc is needed to be an industry scientist. But I see what you mean about seeing postdocs go into industry. It seems like we see that more than freshly graduated PhDs. Right. I know some PhD programs have internships in industry to help students gain experience while they're still in graduate school. But if your program doesn't have something like that, how can you get your foot in the door? Well, Grace actually did an industry postdoc. That's not a traditional position in industry, but it's a good way to get the exposure before you commit to a job in industry. She wasn't 100% sure about leaving academia, though, but she really enjoyed her experience in industry, and she decided to stay. When I was getting toward the end of my PhD, I was really undecided of what I wanted to do next. I was planning to do an academic postdoc because I thought that that would sort of keep all of the doors open for me. And so if I wanted to go into a career in academia, that would still be there. And then if I did an academic postdoc and I, you know, then wanted to go to industry, I thought, you know, that just kind of keeps all of the options open. So when I was in my last year in graduate school, I interviewed um, for several academic um, postdocs and I just really didn't find a lab that I felt like would be a good fit. So I was still doing more interviews. And then around that time, I saw a job posting for a postdoc position at a pharmaceutical company. And that was really something that I'd never considered doing before, you know, doing um, an industry postdoc. And so I applied for the position, you know, just kind of on a whim, not really thinking that it would lead to anything. And then a few weeks later, I got contacted by that company and was invited to come and like give an interview. And even the day of the interview, I thought, okay, there's no way I'm going to take this position. I'm just going to like get the experience of interviewing for a company. And so I went and I interviewed and basically, you know, just really liked my interview. And so then I thought, okay, well, I can do this industry postdoc. And if I don't like it, I can always leave and go back to academia. Um, So I, I was offered the industry postdoc and started shortly after I finished my PhD. And basically from my first day, I just absolutely loved it. And, you know, immediately was like, okay, I'm never going to go back to industry or never going to go back to academia. Um, I really enjoyed, you know, working in industry. So I started as a postdoc. I was a postdoc for about two and a half years. And then I was hired as a scientist within the same group. And I was a scientist for about two and a half years. And then I was recently promoted to the senior scientist position. And I absolutely love my job. And I love where I work. And I love, you know, the people that I work with and what I work on. 
It just goes to show how you should always keep your options open. Imagine if Grace didn't apply for that industry postdoc. Yeah, she would have missed out on a job that she loves. Right. But I feel like a postdoc anywhere, whether it's in academia or in industry, just sounds so terrible. I mean, most of the postdocs around me don't seem super happy with their jobs. Yeah, it's really hard to find a happy postdoc nowadays. Grace told me that industry postdocs have an advantage over academic postdocs because they have a strict timeline. You don't have to worry about being a postdoc for, say, eight years, which I know we've all seen in academia. I can only speak from my experience, but for me, the main things that stand out as being different with an industry postdoc is that they are usually for a fixed time period. So the company that I work for, we hire postdocs first for a two-year time period, and then it can be extended to a third, but it really can't be extended beyond that third year. So that was really appealing to me. I, I didn't want to be a postdoc for you know six or seven years. So I would say, yeah, typically they're much shorter than an academic postdoc. Obviously, that's not always the case. And then for me, I would really say it was very, or my expectation of doing an industry postdoc is that it was really similar to how it would have been in academia. At the company I work for, we would never have a postdoc work on something that was proprietary. So the goal is to still publish a paper. I feel like in research, you know, publishing is kind of your currency. And so, I mean, the end goal is for, you know, a postdoc to get a scientist position or get that next job. And so we always want them to be able to publish. And again, it is for a fixed time period. So three years maybe seems like not a lot of time to get a publication, but In my experience um, working in industry, there's so many resources that are available to you that it wasn't an issue at all to get data really quickly and be able to publish a paper within that three-year time period. That sounds like a good compromise. From that position, you can go back into academia or stay in industry if you're happy. Exactly. I don't know how common it is to go back to academia after working in industry, but I'm sure it happens. Yeah, I've heard of a few people that have flip-flopped between the two throughout their careers. So what are the pros and cons of working in industry? You know I love this question. Grace laid out a couple pros and cons of working in industry. She also told me how those can change depending on the size of your company, just like what Adam mentioned in episode three. For me, the biggest pro is that working in industry, I mean, our goal is to make new medicine, right? So everything we do is very translational and... I mean, to some extent, we are still doing basic biology. We're trying to discover new drug targets. But the end goal is to always try and make a new medicine. And so it's just, I think, a little bit more focused maybe than sometimes in um, academia where you have maybe more freedom just to explore all different kinds of ideas. Um, With that said, one of the biggest misconceptions for me when I was thinking about a career in industry is I always heard like, that there was no freedom on what you could work on. And for me, that's not been the case at all. Um, The company I work for is very open to new ideas. And I feel like I have a lot of freedom to choose what my research is focused on. And so I I think that's sort of a misconception. One that I had as a graduate student is that I would be told what to work on. And I have not found that to be the case at all. But again, yeah, I would say You know, definitely in academia, I know a lot of people are doing translational research as well, but working at a pharmaceutical, I mean, that's, that's what we're 
designed to do is, is make new medicines for people. So that really is our, our end goal. And of course, we can't always uh, publish right away what we're working on, but we do try and publish um, usually in the end. So that's also a difference is that, you know, first we're trying to make a new medicine and then we publish second, which I think in academia, you know, it's always the goal probably to publish first. And so I personally don't consider this a con, but I think a lot of people do is that it's just, it's a changing environment. You know, in my group, even within the past year, year and a half, we've had, you know, changes in leadership, you know, small changes in the direction that our team is going, things like that which can feel sort of unsettling at times. You know, maybe some people would feel like not very secure in their job. To me, it's exciting. I love change and I think change is an opportunity for growth, but I do think that's something to consider that if you're not comfortable with change, then maybe a career as a, you know, a scientist in industry is is maybe not for you because you really do have to adapt to change, um, you know, all the time. I've worked here for five years and, you know, maybe the first three years were pretty stable and, and not too much change. But again, like I said, within the past year and a half or so, there's been a lot of change. And so just being open to that. And um, again, I, I find it exciting and I enjoy it, but it's not for everyone. And then also, like I said, you know, just working at a larger company, I think opportunities for advancement are a little bit slower than at other, maybe other companies. Again, this is just my perspective. I've only worked for one company. So if it's really important to you to, you know, advance really quickly in your career, then uh, working at a large company is, is maybe not a great choice. I still really enjoy doing bench work. I love working in the lab and I love um, training other people. So right now it's a really good mix for me to still be in the lab quite a bit. But I know some people are a little bit more anxious to get away from the bench. So I think that's um, an important consideration when thinking about your next step. Those are interesting things to consider. There's a lot you need to think about when choosing a career. Like if the company goals align with your own passions, if you're comfortable with the changing environment, and if you enjoy working at the bench. Exactly. I think everyone might be happy in different situations, so it's important to reflect on what type of experience you are looking for. I think we all know that industry pays more than academia, so that's important to consider too. Yeah, pay is important. I know we talk a lot about passions in our careers, but the salary is also important. So Now that we know a bit about what it's like working as a scientist in industry, what kinds of transferable skills can a PhD student bring to the table when they're applying? Well, the work is very similar to what we are currently doing in our PhD. So really, every skill transfers easily. Grace emphasized that honing her presentation skills during grad school really helped her in her current career. For me, just because I do still work in research, I feel like literally all of the skills that I gained in graduate school are very applicable to me now. But with that said, I think that some things that have really helped me is really honing my presentation skills in graduate school. You know, as a graduate student, you have opportunities to give presentations a lot, whether it's, you know, group meetings within your own lab or departmental meetings or even your, you know, meetings with your your thesis uh, committee, things like that. But just really using the opportunity to really, you know, give polished presentations and think about the story that you want to tell with your research. Almost any job interview that you're going to have after this, even if you're planning to leave the research field, you may give some sort of presentation. And so, you know, really having polished 
skills there, I think is, is really important. Um, also, I think a lot of careers and a lot of the training that we receive in, in our PhDs is, you know, really how to read the literature and be critical and come up with new ideas and experiments based on what we read. And, you know, that's still very true in my job today. And I think a lot of other jobs, which you may use your PhD for, will, will use that skill, you know, your critical thinking skills. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to see when you're in the trenches of being a, a PhD student, but you're, you're gaining so much experience that you may not even realize now, but, it, you know, you'll, you'll end up using it in your next step. People who are good speakers can make me interested in pretty much anything. It is such an underrated skill. And we hear the same skills that many of our other guests mentioned, speaking publicly, thinking critically, coming up with experiments. These are really useful skills that are applicable across many careers. Yes, I totally agree. It seems like these skills apply to so many jobs outside of academia. Since the skills she mentioned are so relevant, how do you display that to stand out in an application to an industry position? You're essentially competing with all of these other PhDs with really similar backgrounds and skills. You're right. Well, just like Ali told us in episode one, you have to really tailor your resume to exactly what the job description says. Grace gives us her perspective from the hiring side. I can say from experience that when we are hiring someone, we're usually looking for a really specific skill set. And we try and highlight that um, in the job posting. Of course, we realize when we post that job, we're not going to get a candidate with every single skill that we're listing. But so then when you're applying for that job, really important that you make sure that every skill that you do have that is applicable is highlighted in your resume and even to use like the keywords that are in the job posting in your cover letter or in your resume because the person hiring you may not be the first one to see your resume it may be a recruiter and you know they're not going to know necessarily um, if you don't use the exact correct wording so i think that's really important you know i would still say obviously if you don't fit every criteria that a, you know a job posting has you should still apply to that job because again as i said we realize we're not going to get every skill that we're asking for but you know skills that you can gain during graduate school that are going to make you attractive to industry are are new technologies so really trying to stay up on the on the most recent literature so i can give an example like when I was in graduate school, like when I started, CRISPR had not been published yet, but there was other types of genome editing, um, which I knew how to use. And then in my last two years of graduate school, that's when CRISPR was first published. And I immediately implemented CRISPR into what I was doing. And then that turns out to be a huge skill that, you know, industry was wanting people with that experience. And so, you know, sort of having knowledge of the latest te technologies is really going to benefit you. A lot of industry, if you have like really specific in vivo skills, that's great. Or really, you know, specialized types of cell culture or things like that. Um, you know, that's going to make you stand out uh, compared to someone else. That's really great advice. I guess you're kind of screwed if you're working in a lab with old technologies. But Grace did mention that a postdoc is a great place to get exposed to newer technologies if you want to go into industry. That's true. And her advice to highlight the skills from the job posting in your resume using the exact keywords is spot on. That's exactly what Ali told us with her FAS job. It's really nice to get the same advice several times from completely different people. 
kind of like when you replicate an experiment and you get the same results and then you're like, hey, I might be onto something. I guess we can put our skepticism aside and believe it's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I feel reassured with these answers, that's for sure. Well, Grace left us with some advice for those who want a career as a scientist in industry. She also provided some wisdom for grad students, I guess, who are deep in the trenches. First and foremost is that if you want to be an industry scientist, you don't need to do an academic postdoc. So it may help you get a job in industry, but it's definitely not required. And so I would encourage you to look for industry postdoc positions like I did, or even just apply for scientist positions. If you have the right skill set, I don't think that a postdoc is necessary. With that said, you know, if you are considering doing an industry or an academic postdoc, you know, try and gain some skills that you think would be applicable to industry, whether that's drug screening experience or, um, like I was saying earlier, you know, having um, knowledge of new technologies, things like that. You know, if, if your end goal is to get an in industry, think about how your skills may apply to an industry position. But definitely, you know, don't limit yourself and think that it's required to do a postdoc because I don't think that's the case, especially if you um, want to work for a smaller company. If you're unsure of if a company is a good fit, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to someone that maybe, you know, a friend of a friend that works there or something like that. You know, talking to people and, and getting insight about where they work, I think, can be really helpful in, in sort of guiding what your next, next step is going to be. And like me personally, if I maybe would have known someone that worked in industry, I wouldn't have spent several months interviewing for academic postdoc positions. <laughs> so just really try and keep your eye on the end goal, which is to get your PhD. Um, I mean, I know it's a, it's a long process and it, you know, science is, is hard. It's, you know, biology is complex. Being a graduate student is, is really tough, but if you can really just try and keep your, you know, just keep in the back of your mind what you're working toward, you know, it will get easier, it will get better, you will finish. And there's so many exciting careers available to you at the end um, that I think it's probably worth it in the end to stick it out. I'm keeping my eye on that end goal for sure. It's just a small phase in our lives and soon we'll be into the next phase of our careers. I am looking at that end goal too, definitely. It was a pleasure to speak with Grace. Here's a quick recap of what I think are the take-homes from our interview. In Grace's career as an industry scientist, she works at the bench doing experiments about 50% of the time, and the other half is spent making presentations, writing papers, mentoring other researchers, and overseeing big projects. If you want to be an industry scientist, figure out what technologies you like and are novel and get hands-on experience working with those. Yes, and remember to consider the pros and cons of working in a large company versus a small one. I want to thank Grace again for speaking with me. Your advice was amazing, and I wish you the best of luck in your career. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'd love it if you shared our show with a PhD student in your life. Tune in next week for our final episode of season one and another exploration of an interesting scientist in career. Find us at Translate Your Training wherever you find podcasts. Read our show notes and find our episodes on our website at translateyourtraining.org. Follow us on Instagram at translateyourtraining and on Twitter at T 
tyourtpodcast, or send us an email at translateyourtraining at gmail.com. This episode was produced by us, Margaret Burns and Gabriella Goldberg. Our logo is by Eileen Ibar, and our intro music is by Luke Urza.